Thanks for listening to our sermon podcast, Second on the Mount. I'm George Anderson, minister at Second Presbyterian in Roanoke, Virginia. I do not take it for granted that people sit in the pews on Sunday morning or listen to these podcasts hoping to hear something that connects them to God, to each other, to the world. And so I spend hours seeking the right word for the right time and said in the right way. I welcome your feedback. I encourage your sharing this sermon with anyone it might benefit. And I hope you'll return to this podcast again or come visit us for worship. We'd be happy to have you. My passages are all single verses, and they'll be scattered throughout the sermon. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Savior. Amen. In a few minutes, when the ministers will lead a prayer for the saints, a bell or a chime will be rung throughout the prayer. Each time, just a note, just a moment. All is well. The notes are sounded throughout the prayer. The notes are sounded throughout all of life, if we can hear them. We hear something, see something, sense something, and we know sometimes just for a moment, a moment that can be far too short, but on the other hand is a note of eternity, that right in the midst of things, sometimes in the business of planned and sometimes in the chaos of the unexpected, sometimes in the midst of loss or grief, we have a moment of peace, of acceptance, because we hear it somehow. All will be well. A young father, frankly scared to be a father, is given the baby to hold for the first time. Now, a little fist curls reflectively around the father's little finger, and for a moment he hears it. It will be okay. Then he goes home and gets scared again. A daughter holds the hand of her dying mother, whose fist reflexively curls around her finger, and though she knows it won't be long, she hears in that moment, all is well. The Roman Catholics might be onto something with their seven sacraments. Don't worry, I'm a Presbyterian Protestant who embraces our tradition of celebrating only two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And if I were given a church history lesson or a theology class, I could tell you why. I could tell you how the Reformers revolted against the spiritual and psychological control that a priest could have on a poor soul who thinks that without being baptized, a baby is hell-bound, or that the priest need to prescribe the way of penance and then declare absolution, or one will have to live forever with the stain of a sin. I could tell you how the Reformers said that the sacrament should be instituted by Jesus in Scripture and that both baptism and the Lord's Supper proclaim all that we need to know about God's grace and our salvation. So I'm good with two sacraments. But I do appreciate the beauty of a sacramental system that finds ways to sound the note of grace throughout the life of the church. Once we're past all that control stuff, once we're past the medieval idea that priests have the magical power to grant passports into heaven, we can begin to appreciate their baked-in reminders that at any given moment in the middle of life, the light of eternity might break in and we somehow hear that all will be well. Baptism. Before this child lives a life that will bring sorrows and joys, the bell is rung. This is a child of God. 
all will be well. Eucharist. On the night Christ was betrayed, Jesus says, My body broken through my love, through God's love for you. These words are said one last time during last rites when final communion is served and the bell is rung. God's love will not let you go. Confirmation. A teen, having studied the creeds of the ages, professes faith as an adult and accepts responsibility of joining the cloud of witnesses and a bell is rung. God has a place for you. Reconciliation. In a confessional booth, a shame is no longer carried privately, alone. And then are heard the words of guidance from a priest and then words of grace. And a bell is rung. By the grace of God, you are forgiven. Anointing with oil, the sick, even the dying are anointed with oil and the bell rings. There is a healing that ultimately comes to us all, even at death. Marriage, vows are exchanged with a bell note's reminder that God has made and kept an eternal vow to us in ordination. As priests, ministers, deacons, or elders kneel for the laying on of hands, they do so with some anxiety about what all this is going to mean for them. And some who are watching have some anxiety. They're wondering what God wants of them in life. And the bell is rung. God's grace is sufficient. Again, whether there are seven or two, the point is that we should let the sacraments train us. The moment of baptism and the Lord's Supper for us Presbyterians, where God's grace is proclaimed, trains us, if we let them, trains us to listen and look for those moments in our lives. Because at any moment, even in the midst of worry or depression or sickness, of grief, we can hear sometimes just that note that lets us know that all will be well. Those moments are benediction moments, I think. Benediction comes from two Latin root words, bene, meaning well, and diction, meaning to speak. To utter a benediction, then, is to utter the affirmation, all is well. But when the bell is truly rung, it's not just that something is said. It's not some forced piety of, say you believe it when you don't. It's not some placebo words to divert us. When the bell is truly rung, it may not be words at all, but it's a message that comes with the voice of God. Washing dishes and seeing leaves drift by the window, and for no reason at all, it's a moment of calming grace. Or a voice on the phone says the words you wanted to hear far more than you were willing to admit. I'm sorry, or I'm past it, I forgive you. You know, without the seven sacraments to remind us that those benedictions can be heard without life, here's how we Presbyterians are supposed to also train to remember to listen for God's healing and calming word of peace. We should read our Bibles. We can read our Bibles in the pews, the old ones. In a couple of weeks, you can even take it home with you. And then you'll have a new Bible to read. And in the front cover, there might even be an inscription pointing out someone who was a means of grace for someone else. And throughout that Bible, from beginning to end, as people of the book, we can see that benedictions just keep coming. God saw all that he had made, and it was good. It's perhaps the first. It's perhaps the first all-is-well note of Scripture. And that bell rings several times in the first chapter of the Bible. And it was good, and it was good, and it was good. 
You continue to find benedictions over and over again in the Old Testament, and you find them in the New Testament, as my scripture selections show. I sort of chose them arbitrarily. They are everywhere, even in very disputed sections of the Bible, sections of dispute or conflict. The benedictions keep coming. The first I listed is the one from Luke's Gospel. At the moment of the announcement of Christ's birth, shepherds are doing what they do every day, and yet it's not every day. They're out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, doing their daily work, but suddenly they hear this anthem of heaven. Unto you a child is born, the angels say. This day, this ordinary day, and that bell's note reverberates because the angels keep singing, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among all people with whom he is pleased. Now, no doubt, the shepherds, after making their pilgrimage to see this child who is born and make known to those who are there all that they had seen and heard, no doubt they return to their daily lives. They return to herding and shearing and treating and even butchering sheep, all the while managing their aging and aching bodies. They'll be sick again. They'll be hurt again. They'll make mistakes that they will regret again, and they will die one day. But they heard that note sounded, peace on earth, all will be well. Next, I paired a charge with a benediction. And both are given for people living in the chaotic world, the busy world of Roman rule, and in the midst of internal strife in churches. Paul, in 1 Corinthians, urges the Christians to seek reconciliation, to stay strong, to not lose their way. So he gives them the charge. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now, Paul offers benedictions in 1 Corinthians 2, and maybe I should have chosen one of them, but I jumped to the brief letter of Jude just because I like it so much. It's only one chapter. The letter really doesn't say a lot, or at least says very few words, but it says a great deal in saying this for busy lives, dealing with challenges. Now, to the one who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Through all of life, the benediction notes sounded. And then the last passage I chose is the very last verse of the Bible, the last verse of Revelation. A perfect verse, really, to be read on All Saints Sunday when we give thanks for lives that on this earth came to an end. At life's end, there are always reasons to celebrate and rejoice. There's also reasons to regret, to think of unfulfilled potential, wonderful things that could have taken place without this betrayal or that illness or that harm done. It doesn't matter. The bell is rung. By God's grace, all is forgiven, all is complete, all will be well. We also know that when we look over the names in the bulletin, we see that some lives are lived long and some are cut short. It reminds us that worldwide, we are not all given the same opportunity in life. There are those born in grinding poverty or in war zones or in families that just don't know how to love. But 
For each life, that revelation bell is rung. For each life, there is rung that note of eternity that in the end, it's true. The grace of the Lord Jesus will be with all the saints. You know, we Presbyterians, as you heard in the children's sermon, we Presbyterians are all saints, we say. We're not bragging. We say it's because of God's grace, not by anything we have done, because none of us can expect to have a home with God based on merit. But it is saying that God's grace embraces and forgives and completes the life of each one of us. And in the end, all is well because God's grace makes it so. Naked we came into the world, naked we will leave it. At the end, we have nothing but God's grace, but all will be well because in the end, God's grace is sufficient. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. The word of the Lord. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.